Welcome back to the Code Ryan podcast. Today, Swix joins me and we're going to discuss a couple concepts that I don't have a ton of familiarity with, software 3.0, as well as kind of the AI side of things as I'm just like a basic JavaScript developer, but we'll we'll kind of cover those and then how they relate to web development as well. But before we get to that, Swix, could you maybe just give me a bit of your kind of tech journey so far and then maybe also how you kind of got into the AI and kind of software 3.0 side of things? Yeah, sh- sure. Um, I wasn't always a developer. I uh, was in finance uh, for my first career and then did a career switch when I was 30. Um, so if anyone is a sort of later stage career, career switcher, um, you can look up my story about switching to a software developer at age 30. Um, and since then, I worked at uh, what I like to say is sort of AWS and three unicorns. Uh, I'll, I'll focus on dev tools, um, Netlify Temporal, right? And um, trying to, I guess, bridge the gap between like front end development and cloud, and then uh, more recently working in data and AI. Um, and so most most recently this year, um, I had a had a blog that was called Latent Space that was kind of taking off. Uh, I decided to go full time on that. Um, and um, the the big claim to fame or the big hit uh, that I that I started was this AI engineer movement. Uh, around about June, July uh, timeframe, where uh, I sort of identified a rising class of software engineer that would be specializing in AI and uh, decided to give it everything to serve that. Um, I organized an AI engineer conference uh, a month ago um, that put, pulled together all the like, top AI engineers in the field and like, you know tried to establish this as a legitimate uh, field. So yeah, that's the chart story. Very cool. And you know, I'd be interested in how you kind of transition into kind of the the AI side of things as you know for for me I I kind of switched careers as well I was kind of went to school for exercise science and then worked as a personal trainer for several years and then transitioned into web development and JavaScript and all that stuff and from kind of like an out non-computer science perspective looking in AI seems like a very daunting thing to kind of move towards so I'd be interested in how you maybe kind of transition towards that or was it kind of just like maybe less so focusing on some of the the details of AI and you just kind of focused on how AI is going to integrate with engineers or what did that kind of transition look like? Yeah, um, it's a not a simple story for me because I, I'm not like completely new to AI. Um, I've done, uh, like when I was a trader in, in my finance days, um, I, I've done simple NLP applications. Um, I've taken the Andrew Ng course, I've taken some courses in my sort of Georgia Tech uh, online master's program. Um, none of that was strictly necessary or useful for this wave of AI. Um, and this is something we'll talk about, the difference between uh, software 2.0 and 3.0. Um, and so I, I do think that the sort of transformers-based, large language model-based wave of AI is a great reset. Um, where you don't actually need a ton of background, you don't need a PhD uh, to be very productive with this technology um, and to use it and to, frankly, just work professionally in it. Like people I know who are two years out of college um, because they worked on very successful AI side projects in the past are getting job offers at top AI maps for you know 300K uh, in, in, in compensation because they can demonstrate that they can wield the AI effectively without uh, the necessary qualifications uh, that you might think. So um, I, I think uh, 
what I, I try to emphasize is um, engineering rather than research, right? Like a lot of people, um, if you look on Hacker News and you go like, you know, oh, how do I get started in a career in AI engineering? Um, and this is a literal, like go on Hacker News and search, how do I get started in AI engineering? You This will come up. Um, uh, the top two responses. The first one was, uh, I'll do the traditional machine learning path, which is um, read the textbooks, do the engineering course, do the Coursera, you know, Coursera course, uh, which, I, which I've done. Uh, doesn't help. And then the second response was, uh, oh, like a lot of machine learning is data science. So I actually do the, the data science path, um, understand data engineering pipelines, um, how to clean them, clean data and blah, blah, blah. Also doesn't help. <laughs> so all this, a lot of advice is out of date now um, because of how profoundly different you have to operate with foundation models. And, um, and that's an opportunity if you look at it the right way. Um, so I have a post on my site, uh, Late in Space. It's called uh, You Are Not Too Old. And it cites a few reasons why um, you have the opportunity to enter this field, even though you don't necessarily have the traditional academic qualifications, because no one does. Would you also, like in that post, do you also kind of outline how you do recommend someone that is maybe just getting into it to kind of get started with it? Or could we maybe cover just a few of the maybe high-level things that someone can do? Because like I... I my impression of it was similar to what you just outlined there that, you know, you either get into AI through going like the academic route of going into data science or machine learning or something like that. And then over the course of a handful of years, then you kind of transition into it. But it sounds like that has kind of changed. It's been, there's been a little bit of a reset to where there's now this opportunity to maybe get into it without all that previous background. So how would you kind of recommend someone maybe getting into it if this sounds interesting to them? Mm. Um, build a lot, read a lot. <laughs> uh, are we assuming that everyone who's watching ha can code? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you, you have a leg up, um, on, on everyone else because you know how to code and because you do understand how computers work. And this is another computer system, you know, it's, it's a more complex computer system than you're used to, but it is a computer system. Um, so traditional ideas like seeding pseudo random numbers, uh, is going to come into play again, you know, um, and, uh, uh, and then orchestrating AI software is a very central thesis of why AI engineering rather than prompt engineering, um, or any other sort of, uh, sort of AI enabled job, uh, is going to be the, the sort of great theme of the decade, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, uh, I have a email course that's sort of free and uh, it's, it's not even released yet, but yeah, you can sign up for it on the InSpace University. Um, I love to trigger the LSU fans. Um, and so that, uh, uh, but you know, I'm one of many people sharing knowledge on AI. Um, you know, you can, you can look at a lot of other sources out there. Um, and all, all you need to do is I think you need to have a healthy skepticism of the very cutting edge stuff, but you need to understand that uh, there are established fundamentals that are going to be with us for a very, very, very long time already. So you should know the fundamentals, um, have a skepticism in the cutting edge stuff, um, have practical hands-on experience building anything. Because I think um, so the, the uh, you know, what a professional AI engineer should be able to do is know what is common knowledge, like what everyone should know, have read all the papers that everyone should know, uh, be familiar with all the libraries, be familiar with all the APIs. Um, if I come to you as a, as a maybe like a CEO or like a um, like a project owner or a non-technical uh, sort of ideas guy, um, I, you, you should you would tell me if you can build something. 
um, or if it's impossible and why it's possible. Um, and um, yeah, that, that, that is engineering, you know, classic, straight up classic engineering. I have a syllabus that we can go through if you're interested in uh, sort of just listing that with me. Perfect. I would love to hear maybe someone that just, you know, the high level fundamentals that someone should maybe be, be focusing on as to me, it sounds pretty similar to learning web development where, you know, I recommend a lot of my viewers learning first the fundamentals of web development. So HTML, CSS, JavaScript, kind of the building blocks and kind of how everything fits together and not focus too much on, you know, the new framework or the new library or, you know, the new tool as that's always going to be going in and out. But if you learn the fundamentals of kind of the, the core technologies, I think that's a really good place to start. So it sounds like that's not too far off from when going into AI engineering, focus on the fundamentals and then all of these kind of new technologies, especially in such a kind of emerging field, I'm sure all of them will be changing a lot. But if you focus on those principles, you can apply those kind of throughout your, your career as you go. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll sort of list like the, the core syllabus that I think that I think everyone should, um, and this is available on the side for free anyway. So, uh, you go to Leighton Space University and, and yeah, this is what I'm checking off. Um, so it's like a seven day course, uh, and, you know, I, and it's not that you can learn AI engineering seven days, but I think, um, if you only had seven days and an hour per day, this is what I think I would recommend to my friends. Um, so the first day is understand the GPT-3 and 4 API, like use it, call it, um, understand the limitations. Second day is prompt tooling and memory. So understanding things like Langchain, uh, understanding how to work with a vector database, how to do retrieval augmented generation. Uh, third day is code generation. So um, instead of generating text and natural language, you're generating code, like Python code that you can run. Um, so basically being able to also give um, GPT-3 a calculator. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, it's classically very bad at doing math because it's going to hallucinate answers. But once you give it the ability to generate code, run code, and then uh, pipe the code back in to generate an alpha response, you suddenly have a language model that can do, that can do math. Um, day four is image generation. Um, a lot of people actually start with image generation and then go to the other stuff. Um, but I, I just put it in here because uh, I do think like practically the, the text stuff is going to be more useful for a job. Um, but image generation is, is still very uh, underrated and powerful. Um, and so we cover image generation with Dolly Stability, Lexica, and Midjourney. This one, if you want to make it a career, uh, you can spend your whole life doing this because there's so many techniques, um, control nets and textual inversion and LoRa's and, and all that fun stuff. Um, it, um, I, I happen to be fortunate enough to interview, uh, some of the sort of image, uh, founders on my podcast and, uh, this, the sheer amount of time they spend on the, the fine details, um, is what makes the difference between like a crappy AI generated thing to a really polished one when you can't really tell. Um, and it's, it's really, it's really amazing. Okay. Sorry. Um, so five is speech to text with whisper. Um, and then uh, the inverse also text to speech uh, with uh, eleven labs, and uh, I think that's a modality that is um, underrated. So um, the, the the data point I'll, I'll share on this is that um, you know OpenAI released a lot of things last month with their developer day, um, and uh, the vision is very hyped, and speech to text is less hyped. Um, and one of my favorite authors, Ben Thompson, and from Shatekery, like. 
one of the highest regarded tech analysts, like it's not me saying this, this is like Apple saying this, uh, was like, you know, vision is very hyped, but actually it's like kind of, kind of underused versus speech to text where you can just be hands-free with, uh, with AI. Um, and once you have this uh, clipped onto you or like just, you know, you, you have it hooked up in your car and you're just chatting with it on a long, long drive, like it starts to be something that you can use every day. Um, and, and that's something that's fundamentally like a modality shift, like very different in terms of how you interact with AI instead of typing into a chat box all day long. Okay. Number six is fine tuning and running open source models. Uh, people tend to be very excited about open source and I, I'm excited too. I just don't think it is the be all end all everything because open source is always behind closed source, right? Like just the sheer amount of money that is stored into closed source models uh, means that open source will always be a little bit behind. But um, open source models do mean that you can control and fine tune them uh, and own them. Um, and that is very important for some use cases. Um, and so then the last day is building an AI agent uh, to do something, to do things autonomously for you uh, in a sort of long running fashion. Um, and that's it. That's seven days. Very cool. Uh, it's definitely something that I'm personally going to check out as uh, I've, my focus has been kind of web development and stuff like that. But even at my company, we're integrating artificial intelligence wherever we can. And I think that if I, and we also work at a startup, so there's definitely opportunity for me to kind of plug in where needed and to kind of work on that stuff. So that definitely sounds incredibly interesting to me. And I'll definitely make sure to check that out. And kind of along this discussion, you've also kind of, I'm not sure if you coined the concept, but I know it's a concept that you've talked about before and that's software 3.0. So Maybe if you could just give us an overview on kind of what that is and then what maybe the relevance of it is. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I forgot to briefly mention that um, this is an email course, but we've also done a video version. And since we're on YouTube, um, I, I would just mention, like, just search AI Engineering 101 and AI Engineering 201. We've, uh, done, we've recorded a bunch of uh, workshops for free uh, at, my, at my conference. Okay, so software 3.0. Okay, so... Um, this actually comes from an essay by Andre Karpathy um, on software 2.0. So it's a very well-regarded essay, six years old, that describes the difference between traditional programming with like if statements and while loops and for loops, it basically sort of hand-coded every single line towards uh, machine learning, which is um, you have an arch model architecture that learns from data and you don't really code it. You sort of program it by running a whole bunch of data through a model architecture. Um, so that like makes a ton of sense and it obviously was correct um, in that software 2.0 would be able to address things that software 1.0 could not. Um, and if you believe in neural networks and activation functions as a universal function approximator, uh, meaning that like your if statements can be modeled by me running a bunch of data through a, a, a neural network, um, then then this like, fundamentally makes sense. Um, now, that, what's the contention around software 3.0? Um, Audrey and I disagree on what uh, software 3.0 strictly looks like, but everyone agrees that something this is slightly, slightly different. So um, this points to the thing that I talked about earlier, which is that traditional machine learning is um, very domain specific, um, requires, a, requires a lot of backgrounds, um, and the new age of AI backed by foundation models does not require that. So for Andre, um, he's very focused on prompt engineering, like designing the prompts. Um, once you design the right prompt, you, you sort of shock the model into performing a certain way, you know, instead of, uh, uh, instead of the, like the, you know, the default output, you might get, uh, a model that's, that speaks French, uh, you get, might get a model that speaks, 
uh, in a, like a pirate voice um, that is suddenly super knowledgeable economics or something that you can talk to just by prompting it. Um, and I, I like I think I think yeah sure uh, that that's what the the most largest most generally capable models do. Um, but uh, you know part of what I think is fundamentally different is your ability to uh, write code uh, and to for for you to write code to orchestrate um, these models um, to do to tackle problems that you, that you cannot and then for for the model to write code to assist itself or to assist you and so those are the three primary ways that AI engineering uh, is rising so uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll spell that out a little bit um, the baseline AI engineer is the AI enhanced engineer um, so uh, that's developers using things like Copilot to assist them in coding non-AI products, right? Like in, in just like day-to-day, -day, everyday tasks, like, you know, like, hey, let's use an AI tool that, that like improves my productivity. So that's one form of 10x improvement. Um, the second form of 10x improvement is um, engineers working on AI products. So uh, I have a friend, uh, that same friend actually, that uh, is working on the sort of AI um, uh, um, yeah, side projects that, that is now working on foundation model app. Um, he doesn't know anything about about the the baseline uh, sort of machine learning knowledge or hasn't read any papers and doesn't know a lot of the requisite stuff. But he's able to take models off the shelf and tune it and market it towards a specific audience that's non-technical um, and make it useful for them. So he, he can build AI products. Um, he doesn't even need Copilot or anything. He just understands how to like call an API and like prompt it and then stick it into our products that like that they can then sell. Um, and he's made, you know, he's making like 20, 30 K a month from this. Um, and it's not like a huge business, but like it, like it's an AI enabled product. He, it could be a huge business if he, if he, you know, really puts a fuel on it. Um, and like, that's fantastic. Like that, that is, you know, like there's no required bar here. Like the bar is, do you make useful things for your customers? Uh, the, the bar is not like pissing rights uh, or like this is a paper that, that you know, show that you're better than the other person. Uh, it's just, did you make useful things for your, for your customers? Um, finally, uh, it's going to be um, AIs augmenting themselves. So AIs coding for themselves. Um, and this is the realm of things like Code Interpreter, um, NVIDIA's Voyager paper, which, which is I highly recommend everyone read, um, and AI agents where, um, you know, for anything that AI realizes it doesn't have yet, uh, you give it the ability to write code, to test that code, to debug that code, and then to rerun it again, and to continue and continue and continue until it gets completely stuck or it finishes its objective. Um, so those are the sort of three types of AI engineer. Um, and uh, it, it's really interesting to see that develop over time. Um, and and that, that is what I envision software 3.0 to be. That it's also these three forms of, uh, of growth for the um, engineer working with AI. I would say that a lot of probably people following me and a lot of engineers that I work on a day-to-day -day basis are probably in that that first category to where they're kind of AI enhanced engineers to where a lot of the guys I work with, they'll use, you know, ChatGPT to refactor some code or they'll use Copilot or Whisper and stuff like that. But it sounds like kind of the next step is to where you're actually able to build these AI products and kind of make those API requests and mold the product into something that's actually functional. And it sounds like your friends had a lot of success with just going to that, you know, level of eggs and hey, 20 to 30 K a month. That's, I think, uh, most people in the U S would definitely take, I'm good. take that for sure.
Yeah. So very cool. That's incredibly interesting to me. And where do you, where do you see like the, the kind of future going for maybe even web developers? Do you think that if, if someone is just a web developer, do you think that they're going to be in trouble if they don't move on to those kind of second and third steps, if they just stay at like the kind of AI enhanced web developer, or do you think that they should be kind of moving up? Move up if you're interested. Um, be aware of the fundamental knowledge, like the AI engineering 101 stuff. Um, and then um, and then make a decision for yourself. Uh, but you cannot know if you want to move or not if you don't know what you don't know. Um, so so the, the, the benefit of survey courses like mine um, is we, we, I give you a sample in a, in a constrained amount of time for you to explore these things and go like, okay, I know, I know everything I need to know. Or you're like, oh, I'm interested and I want to learn more. And then you go learn, go learn more. Uh, but if you're sort of you, you, you're sticking your head in the sand and going like, oh, I, you know, I tried ChatGPT once. It didn't give me a good answer. Therefore, the whole thing sucks. Um, that's probably not the right approach for uh, assessing whether or not uh, a technology is uh, transformational enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so um, I do think that vast amounts of traditional software need to be written and maintained. Um and I also think that AI engineering is 90% software engineering. So your skills are still relevant um, and still important. Um, and uh, and you, like if you're in the process of learning to be a web dev, keep going. Like, just get good at coding first before you tackle all this other stuff. Um, uh, and you're not, you know, irrelevant if, if you're if you're like I think a lot of developers are like worried about their jobs. Um, I, what I typically tend to say is like AI engineering is the last job that will go away because it is the job to automate the other jobs. So mathematically, if you think about it, uh, you know, if anyone wants to automate lawyers, fine, you need an AI engineer to automate a lawyer. If you, you know, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, if you want to job security, you should move towards AI engineering. Um, uh, but yeah, like, I, I think, um, Having machines write code, like they can do a decent job at like the first draft and maybe like the second draft, um, but they're not like perfect yet. Just like humans are not perfect yet. Like if I give you a task and I communicate what I want from you, and you're going to come back to me with something slightly different from what I want. And that's just how, you know, two independent operating entities work together uh, to discover what they what they need and want. So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like... Uh, this job isn't really going away. Um, you know, there's still copious amounts of software to be written. And um, I don't really concern myself with when AGI is, is sort of what a lot of people talk about. Like, oh, the, you know, this we're only doing this until AGI is here. And then once AGI is here, we're all going to live on the beach sipping my ties. Um, I think that is a distant future uh, rather than a, than a near-term possibility. Um, and so I just plan with, with what's practical. And that's the beauty of engineering. Like you take what is what exists today and you make the most out of it. Um, and so I, I try to encourage people to be practical. Um, just, you know, dorm room hallway conversations about the the distant future, very fun, but not the realm of work. Yeah, and I think that's a super reasonable take on things. As like you said, currently as it stands, if if like no new web development projects started from this day forward, there would still be tons and tons of web development companies and projects that would need to be maintained over the next you know, decade or so. So you would still have developers needed to to do that. But, you know, of course, we're still going to have new development projects going. And AI right now just isn't in the place where you can say, hey, you know, my customer wants this, just build it for me automatically. Maybe we'll get to that point in the future. 
but I see for a long time, we're going to need some sort of engineer between there kind of augmenting what kind of a customer wants and what the AI can do and kind of working with it and being kind of that enhanced AI engineer. And then also, you know, if you want that super job security moving into being like following those steps that you outlined, checking out your course and diving things further and kind of developing your skills on that level. Like, like you said, the AI engineer, once that engineer gets replaced, well, no job is safe at that point. Like it's, we're basically at some sort of augmented AI to where they have, you know, human capabilities and no one's in a good position at that point. So it's one they call a post-abundance society, uh, where, where you need UBI, where you need to come up with fake jobs for humans to do because the real jobs are all being done. Uh, I, I think it's a pipe, it's like a pipe dream. It's like a limited infinity type argument. Um, so it's not as, not as practical. Like let's, let's, let's be, let's work with what we have today and doing, doing, do useful, interesting things. Is there anything that cur you're currently like particularly excited about right now in kind of this AI engineering space or anything that like is new that you're really looking forward to or anything that you think that if someone's really interested that they should be like kind of on the lookout for or paying attention to or anything like that that you're excited about? There's stuff that I'm personally working on, which is uh, building a um, uh, AI engineering platform. Um, like what is the one starting point that I recommend to all AI engineers? Uh, doesn't really exist. Not right now. You have to cobble together a bunch of tools. So um, I'm 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 feeling like there is a super base of AI somewhere. Um, and then the second thing uh, that like I'm fascinated by is, you know, at, so at the conference I, I had OpenAI presents, and they basically did, they said like you know this coming year 2024 is going to be the year of multimodality, where you're gonna you're gonna join together vision and voice and text and audio, you know, whatever. Um, code is a different modality too. And just like weave together all of that seamlessly. And, and that is what a general intelligent AI should be. Yeah, that's what an AI experience should be. Um, and you can see all these like um, really fascinating applications of vision. Like AI has just got the ability to see. Um, everyone who is an OpenAI account has an access to a state-of-the-art vision model. And no one's building with it. <laughs> like, you know, you can build demos in a little bit. But we still haven't figured out how to use this thing. Um, but you just got, you just got, it just gave it the ability to see into the real world that it's very, very good. Uh, it can see your screen. Um, so one of the demos, um, that I saw recently, which I've actually coded up a clone of it. So I, like, I know it works, but I know it's also very expensive. So all these things will come over, come down over time. The latency will come down, costs will come down, like in plan for eventuality where this thing is a hundred times or a thousand times cheaper than it is today, because that's where the, these things are definitely going because we're very good at optimizing like that. Um, so what happens when, um, you know, you're just working your day-to-day -day job and you can just hit a button and, and like, you know, a, a thing that's been observing you goes, oh yeah, you know, that thing you're trying to do, uh, you're clicking the wrong button instead, or, Hey, that thing that's, uh, um, you know, uh, you're, you're like spending too much time on Twitter and, and YouTube, uh, you should be actually working or readings, you know, something productive for your life, whatever, right? Like, um, there's all sorts of, uh, hard engineer problems to get there. Um, one, which is obviously re optimizing and reducing the cost. Two is privacy, uh, which everyone cares about, and and it, it will be solved. Like this is not a permanent issue. And people who like you're like, yeah, screwed because of privacy. Like no, like pay attention to open source model movement. Like uh, things are getting very very good. Uh, they're not as is is not as coming as quickly as the OpenAI stuff, but whatever. Like it's it's going to be there. Like you know, if you're too short and focused and you write things off in AI, like you're going to be on the back foot because just wait 
six months or to a year and your, your, your issues will be solved. Um, so then you should plan for, all right, they say, you have these capabilities, what interesting things can you do with it? And really, I, I think it's the same evolution that um, we had with personal computing, right? It used to be a big lift uh, to, to get like a large computer into a room and then like, you know, a hundred people would sort of timeshare on a mainframe. Um, then you get a personal computer and like now I have one, you know, in my, in my, in my living room. Um, and, you know, fast forward another 30, 40 years um, and you have like m people, m people have multiple computers on their person at any one time. I have my phone, my watch, my, I don't know, my glasses, my whatever. Um, and so I, I like that in uh, ratio, this is the thing about ratio, like ratio computing, right? Like, uh, so it used to be one computer to a hundred humans, then it was one computer to one human, and now it's hundred computers to one human. Um, and if you take that ratio of AI, uh, it used to be like a hundred uh, people to like one like large AI model that, that was being served or whatever. Um, and now it's like sort of one-to-one -one where you have your sort of personalized AI model. What does the future look like uh, where you personally have a hundred AI assistants and agents running for you? Right now, it, it feels like we are you know, in, in the AI space of things, I feel like this is the same sort of thing when like we just discovered mobile phones or like you said, when we just discovered uh, computers. At first, all this stuff was super expensive, but over the course of a decade, it all came down to a price, price point to where like today, we a lot of people have multiple computers, multiple laptops, devices, stuff that you said. And I think that ratio is gonna look way different in the future. And then the productivity that people might have if they have these AI models kind of working for them, hundreds of them could be really incredible. So, you know, throughout this discussion today, I was a little bit worried that you're going to come on and say that web developers should stop learning to code and that you should uh, go do some other stuff because AI is going to take over. But I think this was a really encouraging conversation. And it was also, you know, to me, it sounds much more approachable than someone might have thought at the start to where, you know, a lot of people might think that they need like a machine learning degree or a data science degree or something like that to kind of move into AI engineering. But with our conversation today, it seems much more approachable. And I also, you know, huge credit to you for working on solutions to be like, hey, if you don't have this crazy background, or even if you do, this is a really good place to start and kind of working on that one-stop shop for people wanting to learn that stuff. So thank you so much for, for coming on today. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Um, if you want to learn more, you can just check out the um, YouTube for Lane Space, which is my podcast, or uh, AI Engineer Conference. So it's that's it, AI dot Engineer. Uh, all the talks are up, and uh, I learned so much. Cool, and I'll have I'll have all that linked in the description, and I'm sure there's going to be several people wanting to go check that out. So thanks again for coming on. I I know I learned a ton, and I'm sure my audience did as well. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brian.